Year, it's me, good looking Lee. This is the Date Me Later podcast. Uh, I got a special guest for me on the phone today. Go ahead, introduce yourself. Hey, what's up? My name is Monty Taj. I'm the host and the creator of Comfortably Excluded Podcast. Okay, okay. So, uh, you know, what's up, Monty? How you? I'm good. How you doing? So excited to be here on the thank show. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, I'm good. How was your week? Oh, God, busy as hell, but, you know, it's all good because Sunday, fun day, could relax, so. Right, right. Yeah, how about yours? How you been? How you doing? Uh, Okay, so I'm good. The week was, it, it was crazy. It was super hectic. Um, yeah. It's, it's getting to the point now where the weeks are so hectic that when I'm asked, like, what'd you do this week? I don't even really remember. I don't know. <laughs> it feels like one whole day. I feel yeah. like this. <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember at all, but I know no. I got a lot of stuff done. Absolutely, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Everything feels like one giant continuous day. Exactly. So, That's exactly yeah. it. Uh, so, you know, t- tell us about yourself. You know what I'm saying? You got your own show. Tell yeah. us about that. How'd that come yeah. about? Um. Yeah, awesome. So, um, like I said, my name is Monty Taj. Um, my podcast, Comfortably Excluded, is actually based out of Denver. I moved to Denver about two years ago from Houston, Texas. Well, before that, it was for, I was in Virginia. And um, I spent a lot of time in college and after college working in mixed media, radio stations, um, different um, journal journalism, journalistic outlets. Um, Can I've I done... ask you, how'd you get into radio? How'd I get into radio? Okay, so I got into radio in college. I was like, I wish I could say that I was a very like on top of it type of person where it was like, oh yeah, you know, I studied all the time and I made sure I got my applications in early. Um, well, I didn't. So when it came down to picking like <laughs> my internship, girl, like seriously, when I picked my internship, it was like, it was, it was literally like the semester before graduation. And I'm sitting with my guidance counselor and they're like, I mean, so, you know, you need, you, you, you know, you need an internship of some kind. And I was like, at that time I was working, I was working in a concert venue and I was doing hospitality running and doing that same thing for different music festivals. So I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm making money outside of like going to college and I don't feel like taking time to be working for somebody and I'm not going to get paid for it. Um, but obviously it was something that I needed for graduation. So I put in like feelers for different um, professors, which I studied, um, I studied communications and journalism and concentration in documentary style journalism. Um, so I went back and I started like hitting up old professors that I had like good connections with. And, um, this one professor, this creative writer, um, writing professor I had told me about, um, an opening that he could give me at a radio, at the local radio station. And he was like, Oh, it'll just be engineering. Um, you'll just be helping out with the news portion of the radio station. And I was like, I mean, shit, I need something. So whatever, fine, I'll take it. Which I'm sorry, am I allowed to cuss on your show? No, of course. Okay, cool. (laughs) Okay, cool. Because, you know, I don't be knowing. I be just like cursing. Yo, no funny. I did a show, right? And they said, they said like, you know, we got sponsors. We try to watch our mouth. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I was watching my mouth. And then Mm -hmm. like it mistakenly came out. 
And like we was all black people in the room and stuff. I cursed. It was whatever. Yeah, and it was then, comfortable. It yeah. Was and then I was proving a point. I was repeating verbatim what I said to someone on the show. And the N-word came and I saw their faces, but I'm like, y'all say it all the time. Like, like okay. Because right? I definitely do my homework. Like so they was looking at me and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, but y'all say it. Okay, cool, whatever. No lie. That show has reached out to work with me, but I feel like I'm like they last resort and it's never it's never come through like they've never come through on anything they said they were gonna do after that and i'm cool on it you know what i'm saying i'm cool on it but i noticed that and i was just like oh that's to me i get like i I think that's kind of corny now now that now we talk about it you know what i'm saying like and i'm not i don't want to tell people how to conduct their business but um fuck that shit (laughs) (laughs) i mean for real like yeah I don't even like I get that I've done shows where I've never cursed and it was it was fine I can do it but it was just like for me like at least just be honest with me and tell me hey you know I can't afford to to do this unless you fix it or I just can't afford to move further with you but like don't hit me up on some half-ass shit like that shit annoys me like exactly like tell me what the fuck you feel like yeah yeah that's that gets my nerves always put a disclaimer to people before I get to going like oh shit I'm sorry how do you feel about cursing and I mean I probably it's gonna be a bunch of niggas being dropped too so (laughs) let me know how you feel listen my listeners know (laughs) this is just what we do we exactly. give it to you uncut. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Because it has to be real. It has to be raw. Like, exactly. At least that's me. I'm genuine like that. So, I mean, whatever. That's, that's but, yeah, good. it's I definitely come into contact. I know what you mean with that shit. And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. Well, it's going to be one of the, What's going to be one of those? Here we go. <laughs> like, get the fuck. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm glad I can just be myself with you. you exactly. Exactly. Yeah, nah, um dude. No, but he was, um, it was crazy. So he's like, oh, you're just engineer for the news. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Fuck it. I need the credit to, to get up out of here. So let's do it. Ended up, and I did, and it wasn't even as if, it wasn't as if I really even knew what I was doing. I thought it was going to be like, oh, you're going to get to the station. And I thought I would just be sitting around watching everyone else do it. But um, I showed up to this radio station and it was just me and the producer. What? It was just me and the producer. And so I was like, oh, hey. He was like, he was like, oh, hey, you know, nice to meet you. You know, I hear you're engineering for us tonight. And I went, oh, yeah, is somebody else going to be here with me? Because <laughs> this is not, like, my expertise. And, and it really wasn't. He's was like, oh, you should be fine. You know, and I'm just like, I had to pull all the shit I learned that I, that I was just like, skipping over in school and I was just like all right here we go I'm sweating a little bit but I think I can run like and I, I fudged my way through that show to the point that I actually relearned what it was I needed to do and they kept me on permanently to engineer and I started teaching other engineers for them and then from there um, I started helping out with other segments in the radio. So, like, um, I helped out with this heavy metal um, hour, um, slow jams late at night. I did help do the morning segment, and it was pretty cool. Um, and then I started to really get into more writing. So then I started working more on air. And I did the um, – actually, this was when I was in Virginia. And I did the General Assembly um, – the Virginia General Assembly Roundup because they really loved – that I was, I'm nosy as shit. Like I love, <laughs> like I'm nosy as hell. If you listen to my podcast, I will talk about any and everything with anybody. Just like, 
I love knowing shit and what's going on. And I'm very passionate about like local government. Like I, and it's not as if I'm like, oh, I love politics. I fucking hate politics. I hate politics so much, but we're affected every single day by the little bills that our local government passes without us knowing. So when I figured that out, I was like, oh, well, that's not cool. And I ended up like covering and for 30 days. I sat in over probably over 150 different sessions of officials reading off these different bills. And I started to notice like, whoa, they're starting to pass crazy ass bills where it's like we're going to take all of the nurses out of the elementary schools and we're going to put um, we're going to put just any, you know, security guards in the schools with guns. And it's like, that don't make sense. Like it's elementary schools. Like we're going to get rid of nurses, but we're going to put security guards in the schools with guns. Like that's kind of insane to me. And I mean, like bills like these bills like this is like getting passed without us really knowing. So I was like, oh, fuck this shit. So I would start reporting and it wasn't like I did reporting from, I gave it just how I'm talking to you right now. That was how I delivered all the information I got. And the radio station got a lot of lot of feedback from it. And it was a lot of young people were pretty excited. It was like, it's pretty cool. You know, you guys got someone in there who's actually giving giving us a real take on what's going on and not pandering and trying to bullshit us. Like we're young people, but yeah, like we want to know what's really going on. So um I did that and that was a lot of fun and and working throughout the radio station. I did that all the way until I graduated college and about three years after that, and then I had moved to Houston. And um, did it got into a whole different line of work. And it actually was moving to Denver that I got back into um, media as far as radio. But then the radio won't let me say what I want to say. So then I said, fuck that shit. And I started my podcast. <laughs> and there it is. Like, Yo, <laughs> wait, so so how you how you just up and moving all these places? I always wondered how people do that. I'm interested in doing it myself. Okay, so. I'm a very nomadic person. Like I have always been like moving around and my mom always jokes and says that my dad's side of the family, they're just a bunch of gypsies. Cause like they're always moving. Like we're, we're always moving around like family members. So as soon as I kind of got restless being in Virginia and I was like, okay, I'm going to find work somewhere else. And then I ended up moving out to Houston And I moved out there on a whim. And it was actually crazy as fuck because I had no idea anything about Texas, moving from the East Coast to Texas before I moved there. I knew nothing. I just knew the bushes was from there, um, cowboy hats, and the people are probably fucking insane because, I mean, it's Texas. Um, And then I actually moved out there, and it was in my Uber to my apartment because I got an apartment and everything before moving out there. Moved, And my Uber driver was like, yeah, you excited to move to the big city? And I'm like, dude, I'm from outside of D.C. This is like one city. <laughs> it, I've been like, I've lived in a big city. It's not like it's not that serious. And then this nigga was like, yeah, you know, third largest city in America, 80 mile radius. And I went, hold up. <laughs> like, <laughs> hold up, motherfucker. Nobody told me any of this information. And it was just. That was probably a very bizarre move because when I moved there, and I actually moved there for a job that was in um, that was in production and things like that, and it actually turned out to be a fucking scam. What the job? Yes, yes, the job. I move and I tell people how much money you make I, from it first. I have no shame. I have no shame <laughs> in telling people I got got. Like that's how I ended up moving out to Houston. Was that I got got? I ended up moving out there on a complete 
fucking scam. I didn't give them any money, but I lost a lot of money moving out there because then I left that job two weeks after moving to Houston and I was just like stuck. Like I have no job, no family, wait, 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 no wait. friends. Yes. Why did yes. you leave so soon? As soon as you found out it was a scam, you left? Yeah, because there was it was one of those scams where they didn't take any money, but there was also no way you were gonna make money being there either. Like, what? Like there was no way you were gonna make money being there. And I was like, I'm not about to, I'm not about to do that. I'm not about to waste time when I can actually find a fucking job. I'm not about right. to waste time with these people when I can find a job. So mm. I quit. And yeah, like I knew no one in Houston, not one person, no family members, no nothing. And I was jobless and I was like, rent coming up in three weeks. Right. What the fuck am I going to do? So then I started hooking. I'm just kidding. I wasn't. What? I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I had to do that. Yo. <laughs> oh, shit. I was like, oh, shit. This is getting good. She was a hooker. Oh, shit. No. <laughs> I didn't hook. I actually, and that's where like those random fucking jobs came into play. And then I noticed that, you know what I can do? There are concert venues here. There are concert venues here. I'm going to go back into doing hospitality running, which anyone, do, if you don't know what hospitality running is, it's someone who does all this running around for musicians and artists when they come into your town. Like they come to your, your concert venue and there's always at least there's always at least one person at that concert venue who reports to that musician and runs all around town doing whatever the fuck they need to do. So oh, I got back into that. Right, right, right. Like yeah. they, they not not they not they left hand man, but like it's like a I call it like your assistant on the go. It's a runner. It's a runner, hospitality runner. Okay. Um but okay. I did that because I had years experience back in my hometown and I was like, it's something that I can pick up quick. And it was one of those jobs that once you get into it, you can do it anywhere because music is everywhere. How do you get into that everywhere. though? I, I, I might, nah, I'm not okay. going to do that. that. <laughs> and I got into that because I used to work at a restaurant next to the concert venue. Mm. And I snuck, I snuck into that concert venue so much that the, that the manager was like, I'm putting your ass to work. And then he put me as a bartender in the concert venue at first. And then from there, I was like, no, because I can make, like, you don't have a house person here that can actually make it look better. So then I ended up moving and working directly with musicians and bands and things like that as soon as they come to the venue. So oh, I want to do that. Yeah. And it's actually pretty cool because you can even, I can even let you know how to do it because you can even do it from you. Music festivals are the best because all you do is drive a go-kart around to different stages, dropping off cases of water. Do you need a license to drive a go-kart? No, you ain't no license. Well, I mean, I have one, but I just want to know, do I need to flex my license just to drive a go-kart? I mean, if you, real talk, if you want to, because when you send off your resume for these jobs, it does sound nice on it. Like, you know, like I got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know I didn't get this license for the reason. Yeah, we can definitely talk. We can. I can help you get in there. Hell yeah, I mean, please, please help good me. Money, like it's good money. It's a it's a lump sum money at once, which is pretty cool. So I was like, I can do this. Mm -hmm. So I got back into that, and um, and then I ended up meeting my partner, and we ended up moving out to Denver because I always wanted to live in Denver. I love the mountains. I love outdoors. I'm hood as fuck, but I love the outdoors. Like. You know, it's like when you grow up poor and you don't really get to see a lot of nature mm -hmm. and then you get that opportunity. Like once I got the opportunity in college to travel mm -hmm. and see like outdoors, I got insanely obsessed. And then I had to move out here and then, you know, weed is legal. So it was like, nigga, I'm in there. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 
like oh shit it it was it was a match made in heaven right so but coming out here in denver it was it was awesome but then i also realized like it is still the midwest it's still the middle of nowhere it's still middle america so just and i tell people a lot of times just because weed is legal in a place it doesn't mean it's progressive so so what y'all y'all you begin knocked for having weed no, no, no. You don't get in trouble oh, okay. for having weed. But because the demographics out here are so, like, skewed, it's, I mean, it's it's Colorado. Do you be you seeing imagine, other black it's people? It's a shit ton. Exactly. It's a shit ton of white people. Right. So, um, there, there is, there, there are black people here, obviously, because black people everywhere. I don't care what motherfuckers trying to say, but we everywhere. Nigga, we in this bitch. Everywhere. <laughs> like, okay. we everywhere. <laughs> But um, but yeah, there are black people here, but um, minorities only make up about the. I know the black population only make up about nine percent. What the fuck are you Denver. doing there? Exactly. That's usually the comeback question when people when I say that they're like, okay, well, so what the fuck is you doing there? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've, I I I don't know. I've always been a, a mover, a traveler. And this was actually one of the places on my list I always wanted to live at some point in my life. Um, so here okay. I am. Well, is this permanent? Now is this permanent? No. It, oh, but for right oh. now, it's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, okay. I was about to say, you don't want to be where Hell where there's no. more black people. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Like, actually, it's actually funny, but moving out here really made me, which I've always had an appreciation for, you know, black people, obviously, and people of color. But coming out here really made me really appreciate it because you don't see, you don't see a lot of it here. Right. So it's like, wow. And of course, the white people out here don't see a lot of it. So they're desperately trying to grasp whatever black culture they can get their hands on. And I'm not for that shit. I don't share my shit like that. So, sorry. (laughs) Now, you know what I did when I asked you too, though? So, you know how you mentioned that you couldn't say what you wanted to say on the radio, right? So, did, did you feel the need to conform in a way like it was was podcasting just like nope i'm gonna go do that or was it like damn i probably should you know conform even if it's just for x amount of time until i get on my feet like did what was like did you think about this stuff did you think about just being the the persona that they wanted you to be um (laughs) i did but it that was more um I think I str- I did more of that and did more thinking like that before, way before moving to Denver and before starting the podcast. Okay. Yeah, I okay. think um, because, <clears throat> excuse me, I've I've always my interests and everything have always fallen more so to <laughs> what white people are more interested in. I went to a performing arts high school. Um, I picked a major. I went to a college that wasn't necessarily um, predominantly white students, but it was a white university for the most part. So I always was in these spaces where I had to decide whether I was going to try to adapt and make myself more palatable for those to make them feel more comfortable. And I would, when I was younger, I would. And then as I got older and I noticed that I'm usually the only one person of color in these spaces, why the fuck am I trying to make them feel comfortable? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not I'm not going to do that. And then it, it took moving to Denver. If anything, moving to Denver solidified me being very strong in who I am. Because um, 
outside of podcasting, I do have a nine to five. And what you I do? Am, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm nosy too. What you do? What you do? <laughs> <laughs> I do um I do graphic I do some graphic design and imprint production for a couple of real estate companies out in Denver. And um the core company that I work for, I am the only like person of color in the entire office. Like the mm. only one. See, and this this is that's I don't know how you do it. Yeah, I, and I've and been in spaces of, like that and I always go crazy. I'm like, y'all don't understand, y'all not black. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And not only that, but I'm working in spaces where these people probably have never or barely have been in the company of a person of color as long as they have with me. And it was very hard at first. And I always thought at at first I thought, Oh, well, I'm going to have to try to fit in. And then I just, I never wanted, but I never wanted to, and I never did. And I was just like, I'm kind of cool with not, with not being around y'all like that. I'm very comfortable being by myself or kind of to myself and not really rocking with y'all. Cause a lot of them in there, I had to check on a, different amount of occasions like no people don't understand like i worked at the museum of sex in new york that shit Mm -hmm. is trash but you know (laughs) it's it's garbage it's trash but i noticed and like i used to laugh it off because like i find offensive shit funny a lot of times so to me it was like a laughing matter but then looking back after we parted ways with each other the manager there used to say a lot of racist shit like he yeah one time i came in and like the lights would be off because i'm always i'm always early like on time is Mm -hmm. late to me my mom raised me that way you have to be early and i got there early and the lights was off he was like oh shit i thought you was about to rob me and i'm like why are you always playing with me it's too early like like exactly and he was like oh you must be mad today and i'm like why do i have to be upset like that shit just not funny and and i find mad shit funny but i'm like that shit just not funny like like, what's wrong with you it's not when they try to put you in these boxes and paint you this stereotype right because that's all they that's all they can go off of and I've, like I said, I'm too old for that shit now. Like if I was younger and, and dumber, like let's, let's play these games. But I don't. Like <laughs> right. I'm not. Niggas so, ain't got time. Like don't play I with really me. I ain't got time. I don't. Like the other day I had to tell a bitch in the office, this white girl went running around the office with this Cardi B Christmas sweater on <laughs> asking me where she can go get her hair braided. What? <laughs> what? So... And usually I give them, I give them professional nasty. I give them very professional nasty, but I came all the way out the bag on this bitch. Cause she tried me this one good, this one good Monday. Like you, Not she tried, Monday. she tried me this one good Monday. And I, I mean, I had to, I read her down to the floor. Like, how dare you? Like, I'm not the one. You coming in here. You asking me these bizarre fucking questions. Like, bitch, no. This sweater you wearing, you look ridiculous. Stop talk, <laughs> st- like stop talking to me. You getting your hair braided, my nigga? Getting your hair braided, <laughs> bitch? What? Like oh, I had to, I had to get all the way out of my seat and just go. Excuse me, ma'am. What makes you think I'm the person to ask these questions? Oh, and shit. then she just looked. And I sat and I waited for an answer. And then she tried to laugh and I said, I'm, I'm waiting for the joke. <laughs> oh, shit. I'm waiting for the joke. 
I said, Cassisi, you come in here, you you real slick about it. You do your little underhanded comments, but your passive aggressive fucking stereotypical friendship you trying to have with this one black girl in the office, it's not fucking happening. Right. We ain't even hiring you, for friends. Exactly. I'm not hiring. You and your little sweater, <laughs> please walk back down the hallway. Fuck you in that sweater. Like, fuck you in this sweater. I, I'm so petty. I pretend I don't know who anybody is. They'll come back. They'll come at my office all the time. Hey, did you, did you hear? Did you hear that? Uh, that new Wiz Khalifa song? Who's Wiz Khalifa? <laughs> Who's that? Well, I pretend I don't know what slang is. I, I, I don't know shit. The guy. I'm not your walking urban dictionary, motherfuckers. That's not how I get down. <laughs> like, oh, shit. No, nah, yeah, we might have to do an episode on, yes, on passive like aggression in the workplace. <laughs> exactly. It's so real. Like, I can't do it. It's so bad. There's a little white girl in the office that saw it and was like, I have never experienced anything like this. How <laughs> you don't come in here slapping white people is beyond me. And I'm like, and you're white and you see that this is insane, right? right. Like. This is insane. My white friends know. Like, a lot of them, well, a lot of them used to, when we were in college, they would act like they didn't understand why I would say certain things. They would be like, well, you only say it because you can. And I'm like, you don't understand. I say these things because I can, and I know when I'm not here, you do. Like, this is what, this is why certain shit, like, I... When I went to college, I had I injured myself, so I couldn't play ball, so I ended up playing lacrosse. And I'm telling them, like, I'm from Marcy Projects. I don't know what lacrosse is. I just want to <laughs> play basketball. Like, I, I want to play basketball or sell drugs. Like, there's very little that I want to do. <laughs> and I know I can't rap, so let's get the drugs or let's play ball. Let's and they like, it, yeah, right? they like, nah, play lacrosse or whatever. So I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So we practicing and stuff, and a lot of times they would be like, yo, like, you got to run faster. And I was like, oh, why would you say that to me? Because I'm black. And I just to see them get uncomfortable used to do it for me. And it wasn't yes. because I wanted to be a dick. It was because a lot of times I spent being uncomfortable. Yeah, like, exactly. It was just like, exactly. I'm being funny, yes. But just to see you kind of squirm, makes yeah. it, it makes it so much Dude, funnier. You know how it feels. Yeah. And you, like, I love it. I love it. That that moment of you being very uncomfortable, imagine that's how I walk through life. Right. That moment, that moment that you are having right now, a lot, there's, just think, there's a whole, there's a whole subsection of people walking every single day feeling like this. Right. Like, that's, that's the thing. And, and they used to be like, yo, why you keep saying that? I'm like, I'm going to say it until I don't feel like saying it anymore. Yeah. Because until that's, y'all that's how I feel. Until yeah. y'all realize, like, we're, we're people. We're not, come on now. Like, I, for one, I don't hey girl, hey at 8 a.m. in the morning. That's not what we do. We don't even do that. And you're wrong. <laughs> we don't even do that that fucking yeah. early in the morning. So you all wrong in the first place. White people really need to learn how to, uh, <laughs> where to insert their slang, too. I, I'm seeing just, a lot just, of shit fucked up. get it. Like, yeah. yeah I'm so, I see a lot right. of stuff on, on the internet, and I'm just like, you didn't even use the word right. Now I'm You're angry. You're not even using that right. Yeah. Like, oh my god. I don't god. like it. I don't like it at all. How do you feel about you know white people saying the n word when they singing songs? I used to get that question a lot in college, and I always said, you know, if if you say it and I hear it, we have a problem. But they used Pretty to tell much. me, they used I to mean, tell me saying... you're being uptight because my black friend lets me say it, and I used to be like, is your black friend white? Well, you want to know what, motherfucker? You're not with your black friend right now. <laughs> Whatever you do, like honestly, that's how I feel. Whatever you do with your homies or your niggers, hard ER, 
Because that's what they are to you, let's be honest. Okay? Because ain't no motherfucking white friend of mine got the balls to even ask. Right. If that's appropriate. Because you know what? If you are, like, they... No, me personally, my feeling on it is not around me, around your homies or your niggas or whatever you call them, your woes, whoever. <laughs> Save that shit for them, bitch, because I'm not the one. I'm not the That's one. That's how you I feel, hum. but they, like, you people make hum. me feel like I'm bugging. You better hum, you better hum cross that N-word like motherfucking Mahalia Jackson on the way to the pearly gates of heaven. <laughs> because I swear, if I see, if I hear a nuh, I'm all on your ass instantly. <laughs> Oh shit! It's not about it's not about how they feel, and that's and and I used to always feel like, oh well, it's true, it's very offensive, and if 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 they can't say it, then we shouldn't be able to say it. And it is derogatory. And I said and I thought about it. And I'm like, the only reason why them motherfuckers don't want us to say it is because they want to say it, and it does right. it's not fair. Just because you're not allowed to do something, then all of a sudden it's a problem, right? God forbid white people can't do something. You know it's an issue. God forbid. If they can't do it, then it shouldn't be it shouldn't be done at all. Right. Right. If they can't be, they have to be included in That's some way. That's literally the argument so, I was getting though. Like, yo, no, it's just a like, song. Like you could say it in the song. I should be right, able no, to say it in a song. And I'm no. like, why do you get to say it at all? <laughs> you don't. You said it enough. You don't. You don't. There are some things. Just like you can't walk around with a with an indigenous person head wrap headdress on. And you they love that costume. Word. You see what I'm saying? You can't. There are just some things you can't do. It is what it is. Yeah, no, you they love just, that costume. It, let's just, it, that's just like me going, you know what? I'm going to celebrate Hanukkah this year. I'm not, Jew- I'm not Jewish, but fuck it. I'm going to just go ahead and have a whole lot of fun with these people holiday, not understanding that it comes, it has a fucking meaning. There is roots connected to it. There's a, you can't just take something and do something and go, oh, it's fun and I just want to participate. You can't. You can't. You can't. Yo, I, you can't. I'm so glad that, that you feel that way because for, for the longest, I'm like, yo, I can't articulate to you any further than what I'm doing, how I feel that that's wrong, even if you're singing a song, but I just yeah, don't no. think you should say it. I just don't. And it's, and, it, and I always tell people that it's not even about, I'm not speaking. I'm not speaking for the whole black community. I'm speaking for me personally and me personally. I don't care if it's a song that shit makes me uncomfortable and I don't right. want to hear you say it. Right. How do especially we look at since, each other after you say it? Like, I don't we, get it. Especially since the white people I hang out with, wouldn't even dare even try to they wouldn't even try to justify that shit like oh I'm singing a song nah right nah you better pretend this shit is AM radio and edit that shit <laughs> oh shit nah not, yeah I ain't gonna lie they need to let you back on save, the radio <laughs> save that for at home you know say it but nah not nah and I in, in being out and it's crazy, but being out here in Denver, I have gotten so strong in my opinion on that. Because these kids, a lot of these kids out here are like, they're, I mean, they're the whitest of white that you can imagine. Like, a lot of these kids are trust fund kids. A lot of these kids are like, I listen to rap music to rebel against my parents, but I still voted for Trump because, I mean, hey, business. You know what I'm saying? Those are the kids who are saying nigger. Those are the kids 
who have no idea. They just want to say it just because it seems cool. So yeah, nah, me personally, I'm not for it. I go all the way out my way for certain shows to go to Chicago to see them because I don't want to see them because in a sea full of white kids screaming nigger over and over again. Wow. I don't understand how they don't understand, but I just be trying to tell them like, just don't do that shit with me. Cause I, I'll yeah, fuck around. Just not with ass. me. Just not with me. I, I don't mean, want I'm you not... to do it, but the fact that I got to tell you not to say that shit in front of me is, it bothers me. It, it's, it bothers me. I don't it like that. Me. So I'm usually like, I'm usually like, yup. I usually wait like, and I go, Hey, you know, if you don't mind, if you can, you know, not, Oh, you skip, skip over that word. And real talk, if they give me grief about it, then I'll just hit them in their face because it's disrespectful. <laughs> I, asked you, I gave you a warning. I asked you nicely. I asked you nicely. You know what oh, I'm saying? shit. <laughs> when in the, doubt, the, the first time them hands. was nice. The first time was real nice. And then, but you rolled your eyes and said, bitch, and still said, nigger. And then I had to hit you because... <laughs> Cause I'm that nigga, so you put me in a position where I had you to beat your ass. <laughs> I hate when they do that. I don't like when people put me in positions like- to have to beat that. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like because yeah. I don't want to beat but, your ass. <clears throat> yeah, but out here they real scared about that shit. They don't if they they look they actually look around and make sure there's no black person around. I like that. See. I like that. I like when white and that's people got a little like, fear. In them. I like that. I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Big Frida came out here, and I mean they were. Trying their hardest to to skip over nigga for what? Be nice mm-hmm. to these niggas for what? They mm-hmm. were, they were mm-hmm. just looking around. It's like, oh no, we can't. We can just dance. Absolutely. We can just dance. Yep. We can't sing. Definitely. We can't Keep sing. We can't dance. Watch your yep. mouth. You know Have fun. Saying? You can twerk. You can twerk it down to the floor, Becky. But watch your motherfucking you, mouth. Watch your mouth. You yes. ain't trust me. You better be nice to these niggas. <laughs> trust you better. <laughs> I'm gonna show you for what. <laughs> I'm gonna show you for what. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, nah, they gotta like, uh, they gotta let you back on the radio. I'm about to start that <laughs> petition. You know what I'm saying? Get Monty back on the radio. You know the culture needs exactly. it. Exactly. We need to get that, uh, position, that yeah, petition. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, tell tell people where they can find you, where they can check out your 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 show and all of that. Absolutely, you guys can check out Comfortably Excluded at comfortablyexcluded.com. But of course, you can find it on all podcasting platforms at, at you know, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbeans, you know, all of them. I don't know, you know, a lot of y'all got these real cheap services. We don't <laughs> cheap ones too. Because um, I'm, I'm here for broke bitches too. I'm here for all y'all. Um, what the fuck? I'm here for you all, honey. Like, please follow us on Instagram. That's comfortably excluded. Um, I keep it real fun. Monty Python is my regular Instagram. If you just want to keep hearing me be ratchet. It's a lot of fun on there, too. Um, but, yeah, that's that's where you can find me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's crazy, y'all, because I freelance write for, like, magazines and stuff like that, too. Isn't it crazy? Oh, shit. <laughs> Oh shit! You know, I yeah, you get it real professional too, you know, because yeah. I got to get my coins any way I can. Yeah, because I'm not paying back them student loans. They're not getting their money back. I'm Let's never paying them shits back. You're never getting that shit back. Yeah, you should have just let me go to school, and I was an athletic nigga too. Exactly. So you're not no. Yeah, I helped y'all. Okay? Yeah, y'all the reason my knees fucked up. No, so I'm not, I ain't paying them back. But yeah, you know, I do a little everything. You know, jack all trades, get my coins, always. Yes. <laughs> Yo, nah, <laughs> I ain't gonna front. I, I appreciate you talking to me. 
Um, yeah, of course. Yeah, so we fun. we need to do it again. You know what I'm saying? And the next you time know? you travel, put New York on your schedule so we, we can oh, hit this up. I should be out there sometimes next next spring and next summer. So yeah, I'll definitely link you uh, up and hit you it. up. Let's do it. And if you find yourself in Denver, please, please. You know please. I will. I have somebody out there. I don't really like her right now, but I could definitely call her and oh, we could be cool. friends. Yeah, exactly. Call her just to be friends. I mean, I got friends. Right? My best friend does that shit all the time. I'm a terrible business. I don't care because the girl probably ain't listening. <laughs> but she was messing with this flight attendant. And I mean, the girl was already too big for her because she real small. And I was like, girl, what is you going to do with all that? Slide it this way. But anyway, <laughs> um, was had the girl out here and was like, let's just go to New Orleans. I'm going to break up with her after she get us these tickets. And she sure did, too. Wow. And I'm like, ooh. So, yeah, it's a lot of nice little cute flight attendants girls out here that will be flying you out and stuff like that, too. All you got I to ain't going to lie. Nice I'm school. definitely trying to get me a flight attendant. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's I'm gonna the need way that. to go. Exactly. I'm sick go. of these uh, stationary horses. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, get them on the go. Yeah, I and need that. Exactly. Uh, Monty, stay by your phone because uh, when we finish recording, I'm going to call you. I got to talk to you about some things. But uh, yeah, okay. uh, this has been Thank Me Lady, y'all, and I appreciate y'all listening. Y'all know how I go. I'm good-looking Lee, and I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's me, good-looking Lee. This is the Thank Me Lady podcast. I got another guest via phone. Introduce yourself, queen. Uh, my name is Marcella Riley. Okay. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, thank you. So tell us about yourself. Uh, from L.A., grew up here. Uh, I do comedy. Uh, I mostly do musical comedy, so I write goofy-ass songs, and I hope that people laugh at them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I also do podcasting, too, uh, but mostly my focus is on uh, the musical side of comedy. Okay. Okay. So uh, what made you want to be in comedy at all? Uh, I started it when I was in high school. We had a, a comedy sports team uh, where it was basically improv, but for teenagers. And we went to other schools and started competing with each other mm-hmm. uh, through improv. And that was really fun. So I just kept doing it. Um, I took it, it when I, I moved to New York and uh, I took a, a class at uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. And then from there, I, that's when I started to take it seriously. Okay, so... How do, how do you know, though? Like, how do you know, like, yo, I'm supposed to be a comedian? Uh, like, I was a class clown, and people said that, but I'm like, nah, I'm not funny. Like, how do you know? Um, I guess when I'm on stage, it's when I feel the most like me. Like, when okay. I'm doing comedy is when I feel, very, I feel comfortable. Like, I feel, like, I love that, like, awkwardness where it, it takes a moment between myself and the audience for us to connect and like me filling out the audience and then filling me out and trying to engage. And like, I find that really fun for me. Okay. Okay. So you have, you have two podcasts or did one morph into the other? No, I have two. They're separate. Okay. So the, the one, and if I fuck the name up, I'm really sorry. So just, is it the one white people doing black things? Is that, is that what it's called? (laughs) It's called white people do black things. Okay. First of all, that shit is genius. <laughs> that shit is genius. How, how did that come about? Um, I <laughs> frustration. Um, just interacting with people. A lot of people in LA. Everyone thinks that LA because it's super liberal here that there's no racism. Like people, like we all just kind of get along and it's fun and hunky dory. I have heard that on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely yeah. heard that. And it's not really the case. Like most white people don't go south of the 10, which is where like all the black people are or where all the people of color are. 
And so like, I, I remember, I forget which, what happened, like, I forget which person was shot, but something happened. And one of my white friends was posting online on Facebook, being like, check in with your black friends and make sure they're okay. And like, you know, just doing that, like black lives matter, that kind of shit. But they didn't check in on me. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> oh, right. Shit. And it's like, okay. And so that made me really mad. And I was just trying to figure out a way to sort of, I guess, make a bridge between like black people and white people in a way that's positive. Uh, Cause a lot of the stuff that's out there is negative and like people want to explain shit to white people but in a way that like they're just not gonna understand it like they just don't get it right and so i'm just taking the approach of like maybe if they experience it they will understand that we're not we're not all like bad people right i think that that's so dope like when when i saw it when you sent me the link i had i'd seen that before i i saw the cover and i was like oh that's genius i'll listen to it one day and i just i'm sorry i suffer from uh a horrible case of procrastination. I should have done I should have done it when I said that, but I didn't. And then you sent it to me, I was like, oh shit, that's the one. And I was like, yo, that is fucking genius. I just enjoy before I even listened to it, I just enjoyed just the title. I just was like, that shit right there is amazing. Yeah. But what what about what about the uh the podcasting industry drew you in? Uh, well, so I initially wanted to do that, which I'm transitioning into now. I want to do that as a, almost like a travel channel show. Okay. Um, and because I don't have like the resources to hire people, uh, I just, I tried to figure out a way to do it on my own and podcasting was the way to do that. Just getting like simple. At first I was uh, using a friend of mine. Uh, He had like all this, uh, audio gear and he would let me use it whenever I wanted to do an episode. And then eventually I started to get my own stuff, but like being able to just do it on my own allows me to keep doing it consistency consistently and instead of like waiting on people or trying to hire people. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's, yeah. I think that that's dope. Do Are there any women in uh, the audio industry that you look up to or that like inspired you and you was like, you know what? I can do that. Um, I haven't found anyone in particular. I know. I okay. Me neither. To, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be my only one, and and she's also Oprah, so I'm not sure that I care about her in the audio industry or the fact right. that she's Oprah. Exactly right. So I don't know. I did listen to Two Dope Queens a lot uh, okay. before I got into podcasting, so they kind of helped me, I guess, feel more comfortable doing it. It's like, oh yeah, it's two black people, two black girls doing this shit, and they're funny as fuck. Okay. So your other podcast, uh, remind me of the name of the show. Uh, that one's called High Hopes. Yes. That's the one that I also listened to. Um, what made you want to do a podcast uh, inspired by marijuana? Uh, it was initially an idea I pitched uh, for a company that I was working with. Uh, they wanted us to, to create some uh, online content. I pitched it to them and they were just like, <laughs> the owner was like, oh, drugs, like drugs are bad. <laughs> and like, I was like, really? Like, you realize, like, 50% of America uh, has legalized marijuana, right? And he's just like, no, like, no. Like, he just thought of it as a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just sat on it for a really long time. And I was getting even more depressed. Uh, and so I, it, I guess in a way of trying to get out of my own funk, I just decided to make it a podcast. 
mm-hmm. um, and do it on my own. But as far as the combining it with marijuana, I just, I, there's a lot of comedians who smoke weed. <laughs> um, so I just thought it would be fun. At first, I think my initial idea was just comedians smoking weed and talking. Okay. But then I, but that just seemed like it would end up being comedians rambling or complaining about something or I don't know, whatever. It, it wouldn't be really all that fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just decided to sort of combine the thing that I was dealing with at the time, which is depression, which I, which I still am. Uh, and just, yeah, kind of dive into that and talk about that. Cause a lot of people use it for medical reasons and they just don't, you know, talk about it, especially like comedians. We all fucking smoke that shit every day. <laughs> yes. I know a lot of comedians and that is one constant that I find. I thought it was just my comedian people. Um, <laughs> but most of the comedians I know are, they smoke weed. And oh, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that. Well, no, I don't think. I know you got me there because I was just about to get into, you know, the whole mental health aspect of it. Uh, but you said you deal with depression. Uh, wh- where does your depression stem from? I have yet. Me and my therapist, we talk about it. We oh, my God, it you out. have a therapist. That's so dope. I That's do. so dope. <laughs> I have an appointment this coming week. That's why I'm so excited. I've been wanting to talk to somebody for so long. Yeah. Is this your first time? Well, it's my first time as an adult. I, I went as a kid, but... They also, I went to Catholic school, so she used to come get me out of class. So I didn't really speak to her. I just didn't want to be in class. So this is that. So this is the first time I'm taking it serious. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you'll definitely, hopefully if they're good, you will definitely notice an improvement. She better fucking be good. If she ain't good, I'm out of here. I'm going to be like, excuse me, miss. This was not it. Okay. That's it. Yeah, real quick. Don't even waste your time. I had one that was, it was, like, I basically could have been talking to a security guard. Like, it was stupid. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I hear so many bad therapist stories, and it kind of, like, I was just like, no, okay, I'm good, I'm good. It got to the point where it was like, if you don't fucking talk to somebody, you'll go nuts. You're already crazy. You're about to go (laughs) insane. Like, get help. So I'm I'm really excited. I, I really hope that she's she's good to me, or I won't be good to her. But you know, there's that. <laughs> but do do with do you know? Like, can you finger put some? Not finger. That sounds crazy. <laughs> can you pinpoint where your depression comes from? Ah, uh, I don't. I think. I mean, I've had it for sure. When I think about it, I know I've had it since I was a kid. I was having panic attacks. I used to play basketball a lot. I used to be really good at that. I played like seven days a week all day long and I would have panic attacks while I was playing um I it just I don't even know like I can only think of certain things that made me feel really sad and it took me a long time to come out of that sadness and that it's just that path sort of continue or that sort of okay so now with with depression right I, I really wanted to ask you if it was something that you had beat, but you said you still deal with it. Do you think that there's a thing, a such thing as beating depression or is this something that you intentionally beat daily or by the minute, by the hour? Can you beat it altogether? Um, everyone's telling me no, <laughs> but, uh, I think nothing is impossible. I think it's definitely possible to, to beat it. I personally mm-hmm. have not been able to, um, for me, it's a daily thing that okay. I have to overcome. Uh, and have to be like talk, having those weekly meetings with my therapist help a lot. Um, and just like learning all my triggers and then realizing when I'm triggered and then realizing what I should do when I get triggered. Um, that has been helping me this whole year has helped me so much. 
Okay. Okay. I, what about um, the psychedelics? Have you yourself dealt, uh, dabbled in psychedelics? <laughs> More than dabbled, yeah. <laughs> Where? What you be on? Plunged in it. Um, the very other than weed, the first like heavy, heavy drug that I did, uh, or psychedelic, uh, was uh, DMT, which is like was that that oh. horse tranquilizer shit? No. Oh, thank God! No. God. I was about to say, damn, that's hard. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, I don't want horse tranquilizer. It makes you like not feel. And that's already what depression does to me is make me not feel. Uh, but so the DMT is it's, it only lasts about like 10 to 15 minutes. And have you heard of um, ayahuasca? Yes. So it is the hallucinogenic part of ayahuasca. Uh, and it is oh. it has been said to be the thing that is released when you die. So like, <laughs> so like when you are on your deathbed, when you're about to die, uh, your body releases this thing that is known as DMT. And it, it just kind of makes you like happy, kind of childlike, very, like for me, very innocent, almost like a very uh, gullible, like it brings me back to that sort of feeling. Um, and then as far as like what I see or experience, uh, it's varied. Um uh, my last trip was if like I, I fell on a roller coaster and I was going down real fast on a roller coaster um, that had these kind of uh, sort of the colors were in and out vivid, uh, not consistently vivid. There were some dark moments, but it was more of like a, the sensation of like free falling and going really fast through mm. something wild and you know twisting and turning. Okay, okay. So now. Wait, is DMT a pill? Is it spray? What is it? Um, I've only consumed it as uh, it's almost like a powder. Uh, it okay. gets broken down into like a powder, and the way it's been given to me is uh, like I'll have um, like a, a bowl, like a pipe where you like okay. for weed, and so mm-hmm. I have a uh, weed, and then I'll put the DMT on top of that, and then so I'm smoking the weed and the DMT at the same time. Oh, you get ha ha. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So with that, um, you're a woman of color. Uh, have, how did you get comfortable enough to, to say, Hey, well, you know, I, I've, I've, I do psychedelics and stuff and like drugs are not, you know, cause we're taught like drugs are bad. Stay away from drugs. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you're a crackhead, like shit like that. <laughs> we're taught these things from very young. How did you get so comfortable to where you can speak about it and, you know, without any kind of embarrassment? Um, I am a pretty open-minded person, so I won't okay. knock anything until I try it. Okay. And so having, I was just invited to, it, it was introduced to me, like I was invited to, I don't want to call it a drug party, but essentially that's what it was. Well, they had those at my college. I always thought, why don't you guys invite me? And then I realized. <laughs> <laughs> it was doing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was like that, but more of like there was someone, uh, I, won't, I won't call him like a shaman, but someone like facilitating it and like giving us the dosages and like explaining to us like what we might feel and and that, you know, like if anything, if you feel wrong or bad or wrong, anything like just know that that person is there. So they were like the safety net for us mm-hmm. and it was a small group. So that's how it was introduced to me in a really comfortable environment. But I... I don't know. I feel like I've always been sort of drawn to like everything I've learned about drugs. It never scared me, even with people saying drugs are bad, drugs are bad. And it's like, well, there's a reason why people are going to drugs. So it it might be bad if it's 
you know, done the wrong way, which ultimately that is the reason for not, not obviously not for every drug, but with psychedelics, I just, I've never had a bad experience with drugs in general. And I, other than, uh, I've, I've also done cocaine, which is not a psychedelic or anything that can be used for depression. And even with that, like I've, I've used it in a moderate sense. Like I've never gone overboard. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty like aware of like, I don't, I haven't allowed myself to go overboard. I haven't taken enough drugs to where I lose myself. Like I've lost myself, but not to where I'm like, oh, I need more. Give me more, 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 more. Right. I was going to ask you, like, how do you control it? You know what I'm saying? Like, do you ever catch yourself craving? Like, is it an addiction? How, how does this work? I've never, like, I I can't say I don't know anybody who can moderately do drugs, but I just think that that's a level of discipline that isn't celebrated often. Yeah, I think what you said, right, is uh, correct. It's discipline. Like, I I know, because uh, I've, I've, I've fucked up enough with, like, weed or with edibles like Mm -hmm. I know my tolerance with edibles and I know I guess I I know at what point it's helping me and at what point it's not helping me okay okay I I like that so what what drugs would you say when it comes to like it's the day where depression is on your ass heavy and Mm -hmm. you know you just really want to let go what drugs would you say have helped you Or even taking you to a place mentally where it's like, I'm going to be okay. Has any drug done that? All of them. Every, yeah, I I haven't had an experience where I was like, I don't want to do that again. Or like, that wasn't worth it. Or like all of my experiences have been like, like I got something from it. Like Mm -hmm. usually I end up with some sort of uh, conclusion or like the moral of the story or the moral of the trip or whatever it is. Yeah. So I've been pretty lucky to have i guess the good trips that i've had i haven't had any bad ones really do you do you go is this some place or people that you get around specifically so that you know you're safe do you do it alone how does this work um it varies uh i think with the dmt because i don't know where to get that except through a certain person and Mm -hmm. so with with that it's always with that person Okay. Um, and also that one is just so scary to do. Like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to do that one by myself because it's like, I, I literally feel like I lose myself completely when I do DMTs. It's like a, a free falling experience and it, it feels like it lasts forever, but it's only about 10 minutes or so. Okay. So now what do you No, I was about to ask you that, com- that question completely wrong. Let me get my life. Um, <laughs> would you say that drugs help with like illnesses as well? Definitely. Um, I so uh, depression is a, a mental mm-hmm. illness. Um, so it's been helping me with that. I'm so <laughs> sorry. Before you even answer that, I asked that question completely wrong, and I just don't know who I am anymore. What I <laughs> meant to say, <laughs> it came to me as soon as you started talking. So outside of depression. Have you personally gotten to the point or had any other thing to deal with that drugs have helped you with any kind of other illnesses? Did they help with anxiety or um, what else? Yeah. Anything else really that could stunt you? Have- yeah. Um, anxiety would be the biggest one. Um, okay. Cause I don't, I'm, I don't have like arthritis or anything like physical, okay. anything like that. So for me, it's mostly just mental uh so anxiety is uh and i'm I, i'm also taking antidepressants too 
Okay. Um, How they treating you? They all right? I just switched. Uh, they have de- taking them. I think has definitely changed my life for sure. Okay. Without them, I I would. Uh, I'm afraid to even think about where I would be. When I started taking them, I was at a pretty low point, mm-hmm. uh, and now I'm at a pre- like the highest I've been in a, in a while. That's amazing. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. It's <laughs> amazing for real. Um, I I find that from what I hear, the people that I'm around, antidepressants are act are usually really good or they're really bad. Yeah. Um, I've, I've had people on the show and they were like, yo, like I had to get off of antidepressants. Like I had to. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because you know, every person is unique, but they're, they're put in place to help. They don't always help. So when they do help people, I get excited because you know, sometimes we don't know how to deal. Oh and yeah. Sometimes we need help. And when the help that it's given doesn't work, that makes it even scarier. Yeah. So yeah. I, I'm happy that they work for you. I, I think what I've experienced, cause I just switched, I, I was taking, um, mirtazapine and I switched to Lexapro. I, what I feel like happens, uh, when people who are like, I had to get off of it. I went through a period where I was becoming very anxious again, taking the mirtazapine. Uh, I, it was all that anxiety was coming, it was creeping back and it, it creeped back to a, a sense that it, it was like, I was like, whoa, what the fuck? Like I was doing good and now it's just back. <laughs> and so in that sense, it was like, is this working? I don't think it's working anymore. And it was making me feel work. Like I, I was almost missing my alarm and being late to work and it started to become a problem. And that's when I told my doctor. And so we switched it real quick. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know what other people's experiences are, but that was my experience with mirtazapine. It was working for a while and then it sort of plateaued. And then in that plateau, everything just increased again. All the anxiety and the depression just sort of increased. It peaked again. Okay. Okay. So when you're going through, let's say, an anxiety attack, um, is it is it like you crave these drugs or is it like, okay, let me get me together, let me talk to my therapist, and then the drug? Like what are the steps you take in order to soothe it? Um, the first thing I do is just, I, I talk to myself. I, I say, I'm okay. I tell myself that I'm okay. Cause it's all for me. It's, it's so mental that I literally, literally saying I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. Makes me feel better okay. uh, about whatever the situation is. Um, I don't crave, uh, the antidepressants or the, like any other psychedelic. I, I don't crave them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have moments where I'm like, Oh, you know, this would be a good time to like do shrooms or do some DMT. And it's, it's not a crave. It's just more of like in this space that I'm in right now, like I'm feeling uh, like a really heightened sense of anxiety with uh, maybe one particular thing, but the rest of my life is fine. And maybe if I do some DMT, it'll let me just like figure out this one little thing that's, you know, fucking me up for the week or the day. That's dope. That's really dope. Okay. <laughs> Literally dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you, would you say that, um, by you doing high hopes, would you say that you're starting to see people look at drugs differently? Like it's, it shows like yours and you know, just the people I come in touch with that I've even felt myself letting go of just the negative connotation that were, that was there from very young. Yeah. I, I mean, no one has personally come to me and be like, this show changed my perspective on drugs. Not yet. Um, It'll happen. (laughs) Not yet. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, because I have had such a positive experience, I'm not, 
I don't see myself stopping anytime or like, I don't feel uh, weird talking about it because, and even with, I had one of my doctors, which I, I switched now, but she was discouraging me from smoking weed. And she would say things that like basically quoting something that she read from a book or like, you know, like from her studies and getting her degree. And I was like, well, my experience with weed has not been anything what you just said. And she was like, well, but it's supposed to do this and it's supposed to affect you this way. I'm like, but it's not, I'm telling you, it's not like, I'm not like missing work. I'm actually improving on like all my creative work. Like I'm practicing longer on my guitar and my piano. Like I am good. And she was like, you know, and it got to the point where, she, she even tried to make me be afraid of like, she's like, well, what if you run out of money and you can't afford to buy weed anymore? I'm like, all right. That's when I was like, okay, I need a new doctor. <laughs> yeah. Well, she gave you too many scenarios. <laughs> yeah. So it was like, I, my experience has, has been positive. So I don't feel weird talking about it because I'm, I'm speaking for my own personal truth. Okay. Oh yeah. No, that's what you really can do. I just, it's like, once I, once you sent me the email and I put two and two together, that, that was your show. Um, it reminded me because I've spoken to people, I work with people and they tell me how they're very disciplined with drugs, but they definitely do them. And it just makes me question everything, like <laughs> everything. Because right? from young, I just was like told like, you know, those are drugs. Drugs are bad. You do one drug, you're a crackhead. Like even we like. I know. It, like it, there's still people in my family where you'll be like, yeah, I smoke weed. And they'd be like, oh my gosh, she's a crackhead. This is crazy. <laughs> Who, what did we do for you to be like that? And it's just like, it was just weed. You know, I, it's, it's a shame. I think in the, the research that I've been doing and, and going down this journey of the psychedelics and stuff, um, I'm learning that like drugs were probably really heavy and like, the primitive ages, like when there was something I was watching on TV uh, and it was saying how some of the like hieroglyphs, like the Egyptian hieroglyphs, they, there was pictures of what looked like um, a mushroom. And they think that that was a because of the, 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 that images, that image and the image that was also drawn on the, uh, on the, the rock, they believe that that mushroom was a magical mushroom, meaning a a shroom. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we have, that's kind of how we started with all this stuff with, and there were lots of shamans who were like orchestrating these things who were giving, who were like almost uh, like a, like a workshop, like a, like a drug workshop basically that would go on. And we've, we've pulled ourselves away from that and become what we are now. Right. So what about like when you're doing theater, are you mm-hmm. able to do theater high on weed or anything or are you straight sober um i'm usually so i might have like a like a drink if there's drinks backstage in the green room i might have a drink um i'll smoke a little bit but not too much if i get too high like i'm not good enough to do it like my performing i'm pretty comfortable but if i get high i don't know (laughs) where where i'll end up uh that's my (laughs) issue i don't even like i did a live show in chicago and they was like yeah you know the bar the bar's open and i'm like i ain't drinking before i go on (laughs) i want to but i ain't drinking before i go on because y'all kick me off the state (laughs) and i know myself like i know myself enough to say hey i'm not gonna drink at all because that one drink that opens the door and it's like (laughs) this is good i should get another one (laughs) right 
Right. So that's what, so yeah, that's why I don't necessarily uh, drink or smoke. Cause it's, it's that feeling of like, Oh, should I do another one? Like, am I good right now? Or do I need another one? And usually it's like, no, I could probably take another one. And that no- other one is, is when I'm like, no, I probably took too much of a hit. That was too big. I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. I have a comedian friend and he found out the, the absolute worst way that he was too drunk. He was already on stage. Oh, and he said, I, he was like, yo, they was just looking at me and I was looking at them like, I can't do this shit. <laughs> that's when I, I was like, yo, but I was like, you you had to do it, right? It was cool, but he didn't do it. He didn't go through with it. He said he was just too drunk, but I always, I think I'm, now that I say it out loud, I'm one of those people and I hate it because people who be like, well, podcasting is easy and and anybody could do it. For a very long time, I was one of those people that was like, well, comedians are like, that's so easy, but it's it's hard for regular people, but they're made for it. It's, it has to be easy. From what I hear, it's actually not easy at all. To do, it, uh, what, uh, comedy. comedy. Just stand, uh. like, just to be in front of people live and, and, and try to make people laugh in any capacity. From what I hear, it's it's not the easiest. It's actually one of the harder things to do. Do you, um, do you experience that? I don't think, I think the hardest part is just, for me the hardest part is doing it like just getting like coming up with an idea and creating that idea and then like putting it on stage so like when I'm on stage I'm fine I don't I don't think I yes it is hard in the sense that you have to it also depends on what kind of comedy you're doing like with stand up like I'm not just doing I'm not spitting out jokes with a punchline I'm more of uh, like I might do a, a story into a song mm-hmm. uh but like for my experience is just once you can connect with the audience and get them on, once I get them on my side and get them like engaged, uh, it feels pretty free. Um, so I, for me, I wouldn't say I wouldn't classify it as difficult. It's more of like, uh, it's just learning how to navigate people. It's navigating people through theater as opposed to just real life interactions. It's like on stage trying to navigate through all these people. Okay, so now, do you run, like, your stories and songs past an audience first or your family, or do you go in there cold and do it? Uh, I usually go in there cold. Sometimes I go to open mics, but I, so I'll write the song, and then, yeah, I'll just, like, find a, a stage to perform on, and that, like, at some point, it will be my first time performing that song in front of a live audience, and with that reaction, I sort of tweak the song um or keep it as is um uh yeah and like right now I'm getting into the part where I'm actually trying to make a because right now most of my songs are just acoustic I just have my guitar mm-hmm. but um I've gotten involved with a a like a, a band we're kind of uh, forming a comedy band a musical comedy band oh that's um, dope I've never yeah seen that. yeah so uh we're writing songs and gonna put some stuff out uh so that'll be fun um yeah I don't know it's all for me it's just a really Fun. I enjoy it because uh, I'm having fun. Uh, I hope I, I hope important. I never lose it. Yeah. yeah, that's important. Have fun. Do you do anything outside of comedy? Like, is comedy your full time gig? Um, I do have a day job that I'm trying to get rid of. Um, oh, we but, all, we all are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's that. But outside of that, um, I mean, I spend either all my time at not all my time. But half my time at work or performing, <laughs> dating, 
uh, I don't know. I just kind of, I'm pretty all over the place. I try to stay as busy as possible, but um, as far as money goes, I have a, a day job and then whatever I can bring in on the creative side, that's just the bonus. Okay. So how do you find time to do your, your two podcasts? It's not just one, it's two. That That's a lot. Yeah. Um, one of them I do about like once a month. The, the white people do black things because white people are exhausting. So I can't really do it. <laughs> Um, I've had enough experiences where I'm okay with just doing it just once a month as opposed to like a weekly thing. Cause it's, it is pretty, that one is pretty exhausting. Um, it's having to, it's like all the microaggressions that we hear about. Like I, I have to experience this in this moment of doing this right. podcast. Right. Um, and the high hopes it's weekly, but it, it, it took me a while to figure out a rhythm. It's basically just finding a rhythm that sort of flows with my life. Mm-hmm. And once I found that rhythm, it's, it's, it's easier. It's just making everything a habit, um, of doing essentially. That's, I think that that's cool. Um, one thing I, I know, I noticed that as creatives, we just try to be so busy and then it's like, oh my goodness, how do I handle it? So I always went out when I talked to my creative guy. I'm just like, yo, how do you handle it? Because that was my issue. Like, I just was like, nope, I just want to work. I just want to be busy. Then everything started coming and it seemed to be at once. And I'm just like, wait, how does how does one navigate this? It's, yeah, I'm that right now. Everything's coming at once. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So what is it, what would you say would be the most, not, not, not the mo- well, yeah, the most difficult thing about being creative and working. Um, I think it's just making sure that I find enough time to practice. Like, I'm, I want to always be like a better musician, so I have to find time to practice and not just write songs. So I have to practice and then find time to to like incorporate the creative part of of actually writing a song. Um. For me, it's like a process of elimination, just trying all these different things and seeing if they work or not. And whatever works and keeps me in that flow, that's what I stick with, Mm -hmm. I guess. Okay. That's amazing. I need to to try that. I'm more of like, so the way I operate, and like a lot of people, I don't know how you operate, but like for me, I'm very, I'm so emo. Like I'm very emotional. And whatever feels right, that's what I go towards. So I don't really think about things in a logistical way. It's more of like, okay, well, yeah, it makes more sense to do it that way. But I feel like what I want to do is go left. And that's what I'm going to go That's left. me. But it, it, yo, it starts to take a toll too. Cause it's like, <laughs> yeah. yo, like logically you should have went that way. <laughs> and I just be like, no, I just didn't like how I felt. But so, but do you regret going? Because at least you have that. For me, it's like I have the experience, and now I know. Like I, I for, so even when it comes to like drugs, like when when it comes to edibles, like I went overboard on the edible, and now I I know my tolerance of the edible. So like I go the wrong way creatively, then I know like well, that shit wasn't for me. So I got to go, to go back the other way or try a different thing. Right. Yeah. I don't ever really regret it. Um, I just usually just be like, damn, Lee, you did this shit again. because sometimes i mean i'm stubborn sometimes i learn the same shit twice three times in a rocky and and i just be like you did this shit again oh my goodness but i mean i i wouldn't change it i definitely wouldn't change it 
I right, just be yeah. doing what I feel. If I feel like this is right, I'm just going to do it. And then, you know, I'll pay for it later. <laughs> and that's, that's my issue, though. Sometimes, like, that's what's so great about me because I can stick to what I feel good doing. But then it's like, okay, relax. Like, relax. Yeah. You don't, like, you yeah. don't need to eat the same thing every day. Just because it feels good. Like, I just, good. Yeah, like I, I just get caught up and be like, nope, that felt good yesterday. Let's do it again. Then the next day, do it again. It's For, like uh, enough, enough. I be having to tell myself, relax. I mean, maybe when you get, when you talk to your therapist, she'll help you work those things. Because like with me, my therapist kind of helps me work those things out too. Where it's like, yeah, like if you don't feel like doing it, don't do Like if that, if, if that, if you thought that was right and it was wrong, okay, then it was wrong and don't do it again. Like, but having to articulate it with someone else is helpful. Right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I knew I was okay. <laughs> I'm gonna be alright right after this therapy. Yeah. I'm just I'm just praying that she is good to me. Cause just getting an appointment was so hard that I almost didn't do it. Right. Yeah. How long did it take you? Um about three weeks. Oh, see that that was shorter than me. Mine took forever. Um Well, I you... mean I've been looking for months. Yeah. But in looking, I had to go like I had I had to renew my insurance and stuff, so that kind of held it up, too, because I was like, if I got to come out of pocket, girl, I'll be all right. Um, yeah. So it took a while. I've been looking at therapists for months, and then the ones that I settled on and was like, you know what? They're going to cover it. I'm going to do it. Those actually aren't even the ones that I can go to, so then I had to switch. <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck? And then three weeks ago, I was like, you know what? I'm going to like focus. Like If I don't find a therapist, I'm not doing anything. And that's how that happened. But I've been trying to get one for months. You know, it's it's so sad to me that it's so, the, the process is very convoluted. For the people mm-hmm. who need it the most, they make it so complicated. Everyone, I've heard stories like that too. Like you're, you're trying to see what your, your insurance covers and you think it covers one thing and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Or like, or you have the insurance and you go to the person and they're shitty. Like they just make it, uh, this should be more accessible. And it's, it's, stupid that it's not it's stupid that they make it so hard or they make you wait so long and that you almost you almost were detracted from getting the help that you needed yeah like and then when when I called one place they was like how's your mental health today and I'm like well I I think I'm okay and she was like uh I need you to be sure are you sure you're okay and I'm like well why are you asking me ain't you the secretary and she was (laughs) like she was like well he's not available to the end of January so I just need to make sure you're okay I'm like what like oh Wow, what yeah. I was yeah. like, Miss, hang hang up on me, like, cause I I'm really hurt. Hang up on me, like, it's shit like that that just made me want to be like, you know what, forget it, like, I'm okay. And by by the time I'm done with all of that, in my head, it's like, you're fine, you're fine, don't worry about it, just right. keep going. But like, I know that I'm only fine for the moment, and I actually want to be okay. But it shouldn't be that hard. No, it shouldn't. I I've had the first time I tried to get a therapist. Uh, my comedy theater actually offered a therapist, um, a session with a therapist, and I went through her and tried to get it. And then she sent me an email, or I got a bounce back email saying, oh, I'm out of town for two months. Uh, I hope you're okay. If you're not, then see someone else. And that was like, well, okay. I, get, and I didn't see a therapist. I didn't start looking for a therapist uh, for like four more months after that. So that happened, and I just totally like, I've, I felt like, well, I, it triggered something in me where I thought that I didn't matter. And so, like, well, whatever. It's like, easy it's, to feel that way. Like, I don't want to yeah. just talk to someone else. Yeah. 
So it's for real. Like they need to get better with their availability and like having more people who can help people like us who need, who are seeking that help. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm working out. I always say like, you know, as soon as I can, it'll be easier. I'm going to make sure that I might not do nothing else, but I'll make sure (laughs) that it's easier for people. Um, but let people know where they can find you, your show, check you out, all the stuff you have. Let them know. Yeah. Um, I'm easy to find online. Cool black chick uh, at everywhere. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> my website. <laughs> it's spelled the way it's supposed to be spelled. Um, I have the podcast, uh, White People Do Black Things. And also High Hopes. I do that one live on Instagram. So we're at High Hopes Live. Um, otherwise, I'm just around L.A. Probably playing John Mayer songs somewhere. Just oh, I love chilling. John Mayer. Check that out. Wait, I'm not, <laughs> su- I'm not sure I'm supposed to love him. I don't know. Why are you, you know, not supposed to love him? You know, people, black people cancel everybody. I know. I know. I know. They, you know what? Yes, they did. We all did. I didn't know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they cancel John Mayer again? Because he said some stupid ass shit. He, years ago, he's basically his way of saying that he didn't really date black women was to say that his dick was a the white supremacist, the the dude who's like started the KKK. What? Yeah. John said that shit? Yeah. It was pretty bad. (laughs) Oh, shit. I know. It was pretty bad. Um, But after that, he he lost his voice. He literally had to get surgery on something. Uh, in his vocal cords, and he could not talk for like or perform for like a year. And when exactly, he came back, don't play with black women. Exactly, yeah. He came back a much mature uh, man, and I dig what he's. I dig what he's. What he's talking about these days now. Wow, I. Wow, damn. <laughs> damn, I got. I got to let that sit with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends on like. So, do you believe in second chances? I do. So, yeah, it's like that, because that really hurt me when I when he said that. Not that I was trying to, like, sleep with him, but just to hear him, like, you do you got some rooted shit. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, I just kind of casually stuck with him until he worked his shit out, and now he seems like a human being that I like to fuck with. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'm one of those people that always need second chances, so I definitely believe in them. So I For can't, I can't uh, judge at all. But uh, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you, too. This has been fun. Thank you. I'm so glad you had fun. Um, (laughs) I appreciate you taking the time out to speak with me. Don't think I'm rude, but once I I close out the show, it will hang up. Uh, But you you have my my information. You can hit me whenever. Uh, For real? Okay, cool. Yeah, definitely. Hit me whenever, you know. Women of color got to stick together. Oh, yeah, 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 and I used to live in New York too. So, oh yeah, so I, let me know when you when you in these parts. You know I I'm will. I'm I'm actually looking to come out there too. So you know, I definitely hit you. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but thank you, guys. Y'all know what y'all listening to. This has been Thank Me Later. I'm out of here. Boop boop boop. Bye bye. <laughs>